Welcome to Slaying the Sale, a podcast full of practical real-life sales lessons that you wish you learned in business school. Your host, Kyle, is a two-time best-selling author, creator of the Slaymaker Method, and in each episode, he and his guests will be answering the tough questions around sales, lead generation, and all things business to help you transform your sales mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Kyle Slaymaker. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slaying the Sale. I am back doing guest interviews. Looking forward to it. We've had some big stuff happen on the podcast world, um, but we'll save that for another time. So without further ado, I am going to introduce to you our guest today, former NFL player. I guess we can say former baby movie star. And uh, <laughs> see, I did my research. I did my uh, research. <laughs> and he, he parlayed all of that and is now a, a successful entrepreneur. So without any further ado, I give you Rick Elmore. Rick, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, first off, that's funny. I don't, you're probably like the first person in 25 years I've, I've heard mention my acting career. But yeah, um, anyways, my name is Rick Elmore. I'm the, I'm the owner of Simply Noted. Um, we're a, a handwritten mail platform. What we do is we help companies automate and scale sending genuine handwritten notes using robots. We're going to definitely have some fun. Um, so <laughs> let's, let's do this, right? Let's get the, the NFL stuff out of the way. Cause everybody's going to be wanting to know that. And I want to really want to focus on your, your entrepreneurial career. Um, so give us a bit of background. How'd you go from, from football to being an entrepreneur? Yeah. So well, first off, my background is in athletics. I owe everything to it. Um, it really gave me the intangible skills to be successful in life. But yeah, my background's in athletics from the earliest times that I can remember. I was always outside playing games. Um, probably like most people out there, didn't really feel comfortable in the classroom. Just I needed to move and be outside. But played baseball, football, basketball, volleyball, skateboarded, BMX, like track competed, did track, triathlons. I mean, anything that was physical, I had to do it. Um, really found a, a love for football at an early age, uh, pretty big guy, six, five, uh, 250 pounds. Um, so football just always kind of, was like a natural, uh, sport for me, but had some success in high school was, um, recruited to Arizona, had a pretty good career at Arizona as a three-year starter for Mike Stoops back in the pac 10. I was fortunate to, you know, lead the pac 10 back then in multiple sack categories, my junior, senior years. So that was pretty cool. But then was drafted in the NFL in 2011. Um, got to live out my childhood uh, dreams. I uh, played uh, in the NFL for three years. Had a, a typical NFL career, like 95% of the guys in the league, journeymen, traveling around, trying to make teams, staying for a year or two, getting cut, released, picked up. So um, it was a lot of fun. But uh, eventually I had to hang up the cleats and uh, kind of stumbled into sales. Uh, a lot of athletes when they're done um, are looking for like that competitive career that sells like highly rewarding and got into medical device sales. Um, had a really good career med, med device for about six years. Rookie of the year, my first year, next five years, I was uh, either top 1% or, or top five sales rep in the company. And it really just had nothing to do with um, anything, but just trying really hard. Um, there's a lot of like little lessons I learned along the way, but um, yeah, I really owe all that success to being an athlete. Just always tried to be the hardest worker in the room and it always paid off. But 
I know it's a little long-winded, but the story, I mean, I, I can really dive into a lot of little life lessons that I've learned, but um, after about six years, I, I got into uh, my MBA because I just knew there was something else out there for me. And uh, I had a marketing professor about a year into my program who said that handwritten notes had a 99% open rate. So that's really where the idea for my current venture started. Um, we just passed four years. We have 400,000 um, active monthly users. Um, sales and marketing background, but I started a software robotics industrial automation company. <laughs> so, to say the last four years have been easy uh, would be lying. I feel like I've just been holding on for dear life and uh, having fun along the way. So yeah, it's been a kind of a crazy journey to say the least. Oh, I'm sure nobody nobody goes into sales because it's easy. <laughs> at least no. at least the real kind of sales, right? Right, the one where you're just yeah. and getting told no, 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 and then oh like, yeah, yep, um, I know. It. It's it's really I, when I learn about your background um, in the entrepreneurial space, I was really really excited because I'm a firm believer that you know handwritten notes and and I'm sure I'm going to catch some backlash for this because you're doing it with with AI or the, or the robotics way, um, but the idea behind handwritten notes is such a unique personal touch that is so almost forgotten, right? Mm -hmm. It's and that's what really, really stinks because a handwritten notes can go so far into that you're really, really rock solid customer experience. So I love that your marketing professor said that and then you picked it up like, oh, yeah, well, watch this. So that's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah so like yeah, you said, you, we do get a little bit of, of pushback sometimes because these aren't like genuinely handwritten, even though they are real, real ballpoint uh, pen written and they are written with pen, real pens. Um, we always recommend like if you're going to, send just a couple, even though our website allows you to send one or two, we, we say do it yourself where, where our service comes into play. It's where it's more like a scale it, integrate and automate it. Like we're marrying, you know, technology with an old school sales tactic. Um, so if you think of like your business, you want to automate a thank you card on a closed deal or purchase online, or after a meeting's completed, we can automate that thank you note. Or if you have a customer list of you know, say for like a large insurance brand, they have like 40,000 customers, right? They want to automate birthday cards. That's what we do. But, um, and I'll make the argument. I think our technology is absolutely amazing. It, it looks, it looks better. It's actually a, a better experience with our robots, right? But I can really dive into that later as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just such a, you know, people, I think the, the customer experience side of things, um, from sales is such a often, we'll say misguidedly forgotten art form. Um, I have customers because I delivered a really good sales process and sales experience that have been with me from my very first sales job and they follow me still today. And I've been in this game for, for quite probably longer than I care to admit. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I always saw the value in that above and beyond customer experience. Have you seen that in your, let's say your medical sales career? Cause that's, that's, that can be very transactional in some cases. Do you see that there's a big push so, for customer experience there? So I, I thought when I was like in my normal sales career, medical device, it was the people who would outwork you and the ones that would respond to text the fastest, emails the fastest, show up the fastest. Those are the reps that always won. Um, and so it made it really easy to win um, back in those days because you know, medical device, you're all selling a commodity. I mean, there's like 400 companies selling a spine implant. You know, then I went to dental uh, and then it got even worse. 
So it really was like a race to the bottom. Like everybody just started selling on price and how you win business is how you're going to lose business. So it's like, think about that. If you're going to just sell on price, like you're going to race, you're just literally going to, you can't win on anything else, but just trying to go lower. And that's not good for your business. So I always thought if I can like develop the best relationship, be the one that they can rely on, show them that I'm the hardest working, um, that it would be really hard to compete with that because most people don't want to work that hard. And um, that was an easy way to stand out. So yeah, that customer experience, that customer relationship is ultra important. And um, you know, when you're looking at like an omni-channel type of uh, tactical touch, you, know, you have the in-person meeting, the text message, the email, like the handwritten notes, just another really nice tool um, to integrate into that. That's, that's perfect. I, I, I keep, as you're talking, I keep thinking about six, five, two fifty on a skateboard. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I skateboarded. I mean, I, I, my son got his first skateboard last year and I'm teaching him. So it's like, I, I, I skateboarded my entire, from like sixth grade to gosh, probably till I was about 30 when I finally just, I was like my knees, like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Um, <laughs> So this is this is this is less for my audience right now, but more and more for me. But man, that how did you skateboard with that body size? I mean, that's a that's an athletic build, but so I I forget. I remember when I realized like when I was having real issues like continuing to skate. I think my board width, I forget how they did it, but it was like a seven and a quarter. And like anytime you got above like seven and three quarters, like you were on like a monster board. I think that's the width i don't know exactly how they do it but then i got into like eight and a half i was like all right my my shoes are 14s all my friends shoes are like eight nines like it's getting really hard to you know work this plus you know i would take like six months off when i played football because my football coaches wouldn't let me skate so every time i came back i had to get a new board my feet weren't fitting on it but yeah i mean i could still my my son has a skateboard and he's five and he just like rides around on his knee but i could still kick flip he'll flip I, Every I, once in a while, I hit a 360 flip. <laughs> I, I, keep, like, I keep telling myself I can, right? Like, yeah. When Jack got his first skateboard, um, and he's he's good. I mean, he's he's only four, and he's really really teeny tiny for his age. Um, but he's like, Daddy, show me a trick. I was like, Oh yeah, I got this. And my my wife's immediately like, This is he's getting hurt. He guaranteed he's getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And immediately, board flies out from under me. I'm like, God, man, I I couldn't even imagine taking him to the skate park yet like I, I i want to it's in my mind and i've got tony hawk for the ps5 and i'm just like reliving the glory days and i'm like man i miss it i miss it and then i get on the board and i'm like no just, i'll kill myself yeah. oh i love it all right back to back to business um so i i gotta ask like what what made you go into the the robotic space like was it purely a hey there's a, a hole to be filled in the market and you can do it at a at a pretty you know, we'll say quick pace. Is that what it was? Well, for multiple reasons. Um, when my marketing professor said handwritten notes had a 99% open rate, I just thought that was like such a no brainer. Um, that I was like, if I can get in front of my client 99% of the time, that's going to make me more successful. And I actually tested this before I even like got super excited about it. I bought a, like an, a really bad pen plotter from China. Um, they're basically like these little two, like two axis machines that hold a pen they're meant to like draw they're like toys and I, it took me about a month of trying to figure out how to make this thing work um we put together 500 handwritten notes i literally had like my family like i showed them what to do when i was working i was like when this is done come over here put a piece of paper here and hit this button and it took like a team effort of like everybody in my family for a month to create just 500 handwritten notes 
but I sent them out to doctors I never worked with in my territory. In the dental space, I had like 6,000 doctors. It's like, I mean, tons of prospects. So I built a list, sent them the handwritten note. And the, just the response rate was insane. It was just, you know, these doctors first, you know, they were giving me a call back, which if you're in sales and a, if your client's calling you back to book a meeting, like you're doing something right. But these doctors would be like, hey, Rick, like, first off, thanks for this handwritten note. Like, that's cool. Um, so I automatically was starting out like on a good foot with them. And they're like, hey, let's schedule a lunch and talk about it. And I mean, my monthly quota was like just under 50 grand at the time a month. And in six weeks, I did $280,000 in sales just from this handwritten note campaign, wow. 28 grand in commission. I was just like, let's go. I knew this was going to work. And then really from that, that moment on, uh, I started building that business, but I've always had like an interest in tech, um, but I have zero tech background, no development, like no hardware, no mechanical, no electrical, um, running this warehouse is like it's industrial automation it's printer computers working with printers printers working with robots robots working with mail machines and it's like really interesting trying to figure that out but at the end of the day it just comes down to how hard we've worked i've asked a lot of questions i've failed a lot um just mitigated some of those risks to making small mistakes but yeah um i mean kind of just fell into it i just thought handwritten notes would be a great sales and marketing tool i think it's awesome that you 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 tested the market by using it for a prospecting campaign. I I think that's that's genius. I, I would I would sit there and think that most salespeople that are listening to this podcast and listen to other podcasts about sales, I don't know if they'd necessarily go a, a handwritten note route for prospecting. Right? Everybody, when I think of it, I think of it for you know, like you said, the thank you, the follow up after the sales closed. Um, that's that's awesome. And man, you want to talk about it good positive campaign for you that's great yeah i just if you think about like think about where everybody's selling right now it's all digital you know yep. so I, I just thought about like when's the last time i reached a handwritten note like you know a few times a year maybe right so it's like if i can get in front of these guys in a way that's so different than everybody else and i'm competing against everyone else is knocking doors walking in bothering their front office lady selling them spam emails i was like i am gonna win and we just proved it but yeah, I mean that like what we charge somebody for that would be, you know, just a few bucks to know. But, but um, yeah, I mean it was just such an amazing, amazing. I mean, as a sales guy too, to see that type of like success from something like that, it gets you really excited, you know. That's, versus just that's the grinding serious. of calling. <laughs> yeah, like you, you always think like, everybody always considers, you know, door knocking, cold calls, emails, the social selling, which is, you know. I, but man, I, I've I've been saying it. There's there's just something about that that personal touch, right? And you can only do be so personal when you're doing social selling and email selling because it's all typed, right? It's easy mm -hmm. for stuff to get taken out of context. The question that I have for you is: Let's say one of our listeners wants to reach out and say, "Rick, we want to use you." Um, do you have the ability to to use their own handwriting, or is it pre-programmed handwriting? Yeah, no, we, we have about 900 handwriting styles like in stock. We, we put 30, I think we have 30 or 31 handwriting styles on our website, but for like presidents of schools, politicians, people of influence, influencers, right? Where notes are going to end up, end up online. We usually would create your own handwriting style for you. It's just a handwriting conversion form. And it, it's, it's really basic stuff. We have you write out like your alphabet numbers, punctuation, a bunch of times, some silly sentences, 
and we literally create your own handwriting so and i think that's like where a lot of people get super amazed at this it's like seeing a handwritten note in their writing um knowing that they didn't do it with like you know even their signature on it it's that's when they're like no way <laughs> this is insane it, it is and right now there's such a big push with chat gpt and, and ai and stuff like like technology's really what's that it was, i think it's moore's law where technology doubles its power every year or something like that i can't even remember it from college um but it's, it's just such a unique awesome thing that you're doing is there a lot of competition in your space i would i would imagine no so like if you think about it like like you just said like we were in like the the digital like era from like 2000 to 2022, 2023, um, you know, internet came, you know, web two, email, social, you know, whatever. And now we're kind of heading into the AI revolution. And if you really pay attention to like, we're all like the, like ed tech's going to, or like MarTech or like we're all this venture capital money, at least in sales tools. Like they're going to these types of platforms where you're now going back to the old school of things that used to work in like the 80s and 90s because it's just no one's doing it. So if you see these sending platforms where they're sending gifts, things that you know land on their desk, they have to be open physically. They have shelf lives of months sometimes. Um, that's where people are going to go back to ultimately just because as we get more into this AI space, this digital world's going to get even worse. So something tangible, regardless if it's a handwritten note or a gift or a package or a gift card, whatever it is, um, I just firmly believe in the next 10 years, a, a service like this is going to be even more you know, necessary because the, the, this connection in sales, in the sales world and business world is just getting worse every day. So we're trying to help bring those people back together or something like this, but we just make it easy for them to do it. Oh my gosh. This is one of the most intriguing concepts and businesses that have been on this podcast. And I've, I've had people from, um, I've had, uh, Brian Cuban, Mark Cuban's brother on, I've had multiple people, WWE people, pro wrestlers, athletes, high level entrepreneurs, but this is so perfect. Like as a sales guy, like at the end of the day, while I do branding consulting and sales strategy, like, this is just, this is sales, right? This is perfect for the, for the sales niche. And I, and I like that you're doing a monthly subscription too, if I remember you saying correctly. So you can pay monthly and then you get what? I'd, I'd assume it's tiered to where you get X amount of notes per tier. We actually do it per just, you either pay as you go, which we prefer. That way you don't like feel like you are, you are stuck to a subscription or you have to pay a ton up front, but then we also allow you just to prepay for credit. So if your team's going to send a thousand over a year, just prepay, get your price down and then use them as you need them. Um, but we do not require you to like pay every single month to oh, use our wow. service. Yeah. So we, we try to take away all the roadblocks and make it as easy as possible. And we have like, you know, create your own cards and a gift card with your handwritten note. You can add your business card. Everything's legit, real pen written. There's no um, what do you call it? Branding on it. We don't put our logo on it. So they'll never know you use a service. I mean, we use real physical stamps. Like if we're doing our job, which I, I make sure that we do, um, your clients will never know you use a service. Oh, that's that. Oh man. That's amazing. I, I, I love the idea. I love the concept. It's, it's such a great thing for sales. And you said you're up to what? You said 400,000 monthly users? 
yeah well that was what we did last month so we're wow. you know we owe a lot of that is just you know we're kind of coming into our year five so a lot of things are starting to work out you know just things grow over time but we've done a really good job of you know building our reputation over the last four or five years um yeah that's that's amazing i, I mean good i mean in, in five years that you said you're in year five that that's that's big that's that's a those are some really good numbers bud and brad that's awesome Thank you. um yeah so i mean what's the What's the five, what's the, what does the next five years look like for, for you? So I think, uh, you know, anybody in sales, you know, I was, you know, I feel like there's going to be obviously a ton of people listening to a sales podcast. I think there's some people out there that just, you know, feel like, you know, they can do something bigger. And I feel like that's what I was when I was doing my sales career. I just felt like I was really good at it, but I was like, there's a ceiling here and I really couldn't reach my full potential. And that's why I did this. And over the last, like, well, besides I wanted to take care of my family and support those people who supported me over the last years. I mean, that's really my huge why. But um, the big reason of starting my business was the, the truth that I can do it, grow as a person, grow as a salesperson, grow as a business leader. And, and uh, least since we've done that the last four or five years, like your your eyes, your tunnel vision gets super like wide open. Now you see what you can do since you've done this because you just stack your skills and you apply it to something new. But you know, I plan on selling Simply Nutted. Um, I, I feel like it can be, um, sorry, my Skype just went off. That's weird. I, I feel like Simply Nutted can be, a, you know, a high eight, you know, even a nine figure a year business, but it's going to take like real big money. We completely self-funded this. No loans, no debt, no investors. And at some point you got to throw a hundred million into something and to make a, a billion dollar company. And, um, and we have to really grow our platform, but the tangibleness is going to be um, a part of the the sales and marketing and business world forever. And we're just a platform that allows people to do that. So I do see us selling it probably three to three, hopefully three years. Um, Cause I'm really excited about, you know, what's going to come after this. It's just, um, yeah. Plus I have kids getting more time to hang out with Ben as well. Yeah. That's, that's one thing you can't buy back is time. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Man, you've got, you've got a heck of yeah. a plan, bud. I like it. Um, when you first started Simply Noted and, and maybe even during that first five-year period, what do you think was your biggest hurdle? Everything about this has been hard. Um, I don't think I could have chosen a harder first company. Um, we don't just build like our, just everything about it. Like the website, it's not just like a sales and marketing website. Like when you're thinking about like how a platform works. Like most websites are just like, if you think about like, like the exoskeleton of a car, it's basically like the body. There's really not a lot happening under the hood. But with a platform like us, like we have an incredibly powerful, over-enhanced super motor that needs to drive, you know, a great platform. And trying to figure out how to build that was an absolute nightmare. Um, you know, going through full stack developers, you know, we've run to our now fourth developer. Um, and restarting our website over one more time. Like you just learn, you know, over time, what doesn't work. So, you know, just the getting over the, the website, the full stack development there, building our own handwriting robot. We literally, it was a two-year project. We worked with 14 different engineering firms, um, spent over $850,000 building this robot. Like we had to get that done and then and trying to do this with all no, like no money. Like this is all completely customer funded. So we didn't have the money. Like I had to just sell my butt off. Like I'd have to call everybody. I'm still making calls going in year five doing this. 
Well, that, that's something that I, but um, that's something that I think should never go away, right? Like, uh, Mark what? Mark Cuban said something about, um, what he says as soon as he took over the Mavericks, um, he saw that season tickets, uh, season ticket sales were down. So yeah, he, he got on the phone over. and started calling people. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, like that's so the hardest thing, um, being a business owner, if you really want to scale your business, you got to get out of working in your business. You got to work on your business. And, um, that's where I'm at right now. I'll still probably make 20, 30 phone calls a day just because I have really good relationships with some clients. And I just want to say top of mind, you know, that's the sales guy in me, but, um, I mean, I'm constantly right now I'm working with a software developer and a, a full stack, like backend developer, like I'm on calls every single day with them. You know, I'm working with, uh, like ordering parts from China, you know, we're, we're doing, uh, uh, like engineering and molding and you know, ship stuff from over there. So working with suppliers, trying to set up like standard operating procedures. Um, you know, I'm trying to like build a business to scale it and grow it because if you're working in it, it's gonna be really hard to you know reproduce you every single day. You can't, you know, so the only way you can do that is to put systems in place to help reproduce you, if that makes sense. That no, no, it, that makes perfect sense. As a business owner, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah. it's it's interesting because uh, an acquaintance, we'll call him an acquaintance of mine. Uh, his name's Adam Lyons, and he's in mergers and acquisitions. He he buys and sells companies and builds them like there's like they're candy. Uh, and he said, he said the worst thing that you can do, you can say when you're trying to sell a company is, "Oh, I do it all." He's, uh, he's, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he said, he <laughs> said, that makes me drop my offer down to almost nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. And that's when I started really scaling and growing. Um, and ma- you know, like you said, making sure the SOPs were in place, making sure that, you know, when the time came to hire, I was hiring the right people based on core values, hiring for where you're going, not where you're at, all that other fun cliche business stuff. Um, so it's always good to hear somebody that had a very successful first business so far knowing that exact process. And it's, it's cool. It's awesome. Cause you can replicate that process. Once you do it once, you know how to do it. Now the intricacies might be a little different. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, that's awesome. Once you start going from on to in or into on, man, that's a, that's a game changer, but getting there is a pain in the ass. Yeah, and getting over some of those mental hurdles too, right. It's like scaling can be scary because you're, you're constantly entering new waters and you're, you're on the current type of dinghy boat that you're on and you're going to need a bigger boat to help you keep pushing forward. So you know, right now it's like, we got to get like a 10,000 square foot space, but we won't fill that out for probably a year and a half or two years, but it's like, we need it. Like, but that's going to you know, increase our rent, you know, you know, three or 400%. So it's just like, uh, you know, so it's Let's... just constantly overcoming those mental barriers it's it, it's a real thing being a business it, owner it is it's it's really interesting that you given your background are are talking about that right coming from the athlete world and, and pro athlete world um so basically i mean you still find yourself battling imposter syndrome sometimes right it, it, would that so be a good this way is to put the it? issue with athletes and yeah so, so i would say this is the best way to really describe athletes in business it's really hard for athletes to get first past, if they can get started, um, it's easier for them to be successful. But a lot of athletes in the college and NFL, everything's done for you. And you don't realize this, but you have trainers, agents, your parents, your support group, your coaches, like everybody, you know, trying to help you be successful. 
know, even your day is completely um, figured out, you know, from what you're doing at 6 a.m. all the way until like 8 p.m. So when you have to like start making decisions on your own and you don't have that support staff, like you kind of feel like you're on like a dinghy in the middle of the ocean versus being on this big cruise liner that you had all these people helping you, you know, working with you nonstop. So I think if you can get past that, um, you know, that's a, a first big hurdle for athletes. But then, you know, the, the big thing I think everybody's going to struggle with in, in building and scaling a business is money. Um, if you go give up equity, you're going to give up a piece of your baby, right? And your baby is your thing. It's really hard for you to let that go, especially, you know, where it's going to be in a year or two with all the sweat equity, but, but, you know, how do you pick out a, you know, this, a million dollar loan, you know, and when you've gone through an epidemic, you've gone through, you know, all this inflation, you've gone through a recession, right? Now you're going to the bank and say, Hey, I need a million bucks, right? Or that's a lot of money for us because, you know, we sell a two or $3 item, but you know, that may be a $10 million loan for somebody else, you know? So getting past that is, uh, you know, that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs have to overcome, you know, especially our families, right? The people that depend on you, <laughs> you have a wife, children, or a partner or a husband, right? So, um, yeah, I would say, you know, I think everybody in a way struggles with that. It doesn't matter um, if you're an athlete or not. I think that's healthy to have some type of, um, you know, uh, unsureness about that type of decision. I think that's normal. I, I find, and this is, I, I usually equate this back to the the sales background. Um, I, I find that when my back is truly against the wall, like really against the wall, that's when the best work gets done for me. Um, yeah, that's not the case for everybody. Most people crumble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why a lot of people don't, you know, yeah, a lot of people crumble or, yeah, it's like, you know, as you get older, your, your priorities change too. I've seen this. I just turned 35. And people that I knew that were 25 and hustling, you know, like, like would give up anything for their work. Now they have families and it's not important to them anymore. You know, they're not in Scottsdale trying to flaunt their money. They're married and settled down now. So I think a lot of people, their priorities change. And, um, you know, I, I just feel like it kind of. That's different. That's really interesting too, because I, uh, a good friend of mine, very, very successful. He also does coaching on the side. Um, and in, in his space, he was coaching in the, basically the, the mattress and sleep industry. Um, and he was telling me about how he was working with somebody who basically just said, you know, look, I see the value in having you and you helping me grow. But to be honest, like I'm, I'm ready to be done. I'm like, like, it's just, uh, my heart's not in it. I'm not prioritizing anymore. I'm looking to just ride this out a few more years and I'm, and then I'm out. And, you know, from the, the business owner, coach, consultant standpoint, you see that in, in, in the stages that I'm in and you're like, why would you, why would you walk away from this? Why would you want to? But it's exactly that. The priorities changed. Maybe he just doesn't have it in him to be in business anymore. Maybe he just wants to spend more time with his family. So when those priorities change, I think it's really, really important to be open to accepting that they're changing. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, I mean, I know mine have changed. Mine, mine mm -hmm. changed drastically from when i first started the slain maker method um and now I've, I've also part owner in um in an app company so when you're talking developers like i, I hear the word developer and Cringe. i Cringe. i almost passed out uh, it, it it is i i've never i didn't i had tough. no yeah i had no idea what it took to bring an app to market i had no idea that some some crazy statistic like like 80 to 90 percent of apps that they get paid for but never actually get released 
and we were fortunate to have our app released and now we're in that process of you know throwing it out there getting as many businesses on as we can getting as many users as we can um so it's man Ugh. yeah as soon as, I, as soon as you said developer yeah, I was like, oh yeah Lord. so you know that's why i'm saying this was the hardest thing i've ever i'll ever do I'm building software building web applications building robots industrial automation milling equipment <laughs> yeah it's, it's one of those things though like, like did you ever and, and probably not i mean ha, did you ever think you'd be in this space never yeah i, I just i for i'm i'm fully in love with our product and solution um, and that's why I was successful at football. I absolutely loved my position. I loved like racing after the quarterback and getting a, a sack. Like it really excited me and our, our product. I feel is the same way about, um, and there's, I mean, going back to being an athlete, there's a lot of bad, uh, hard things about doing it. You know, it's just the sacrifices, you know, the injuries, the exhaustion, <laughs> the politics, right? There's a lot of things that make you want to like quit but i loved what i did so much it helped me push through it and that's why this is working out i just i love technology um i'm like like a camera drones type of guy and um and this was an opportunity that i thought was a, a great solution you know when i received handwritten notes when i was being recruited you know like that was a big deal to me so like we're just trying to do that for businesses you know and um I just believe in it so much. It helps me push through all these challenges that we're doing. And plus my why, you know, it really does go back to my family. Like I want to be successful. For the yeah. Time. See, to, to relate it back to what you said about passion um, and football for that matter. Um, so my, my wife's cousin's husband, so I guess he'd be like my cousin-in-law, but whatever. Uh, he, he was a very, very gifted, very gifted football player. Um, and now he coaches at Alabama under Saban. And he, I mean, lives, eats, and breathes football. I mean, their whole family has to because he's at college-level Alabama, right? Um, but, like, he got drafted by the Patriots out of college, blew his – I think it was his knee out, uh, went back into coaching. But he loves it. I mean, there's there's nothing, nothing I think this guy would do. So it's, it's, it's yeah. good to have that passion, that fire, that drive, because it's just something about it. You need it. If you don't have it, you'll fail. You'll quit because it's going to get really hard. <laughs> yeah. If you don't love you, what you're doing and you're trying to build a business, you will fail. It doesn't matter if it's two years. Most businesses fail within five years. You know, like if you don't love it, don't do it. And don't start it. And I, I, I know I feel like this conversation's kind of gone in different places, but like if you don't, if you, yeah, if you're thinking about starting a business because you're good at something, don't start a business. Like if you're in good, in sales and you want to start like a sales company like there's so much more about building a business than just being good at what you're doing you have to have like technical efficiencies about something but like i needed to find a software developer i needed to find a, an engineer like i needed to help you know people teach me how to build a website do seo like i was just good at sales and marketing that's like why this got off the ground but like if you are going to be stuck in your business working in it non-stop you're not gonna be able to build your business which you might as well just stay at your job as a W2 employee and get paid to do what you do really well, because you're not going to grow a thriving, growing business. That's going to pay you 10 times more than what you're getting paid at a W2 because you can't build the business. So it's like, I love when people are like, Oh, I'm great at SEO. I'm going to start an SEO company. I'm like, yeah, but how's your customer service? Like how's yep. you know, your sales? How's your product development? How's your delivery? How's your customer service? How are you handling taxes? You know, paper, all these other things like, 
HR, hiring, firing, training. Like, how are you at all these other things? And that's where they're like, oh, whoa, whoa. Like, it's too much. That's <laughs> like, so, I mean, I was, I was in that space. I, I, I yeah. did that, right? I, I started um, the Slaming Air Method as a sales strategy company because I, I, I sat, I was laying in bed next to my wife one night and she was like, wow, you know, you've been in sales all this time. How much do you think you've sold over the years? And I was like, my God. And I sat there and thought about it or laid there and thought about it. And I was like, contract values, everything, probably 15, 20 million on my own, which she's like, oh my God, that's incredible. It's amazing. And only all because I made you pull into a dealership and start to, and try selling. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I'm laying there looking around. I'm like, shit, man, I, I really did sell that much, but I don't have anything to show for it. Like I want to, I want to do, I want to make something of myself here. And I, I went in, I started doing the sales training, the sales strategy. And the first two to three years were brutal, Branding. brutal because yeah, I was yeah. learning and, and I went to Penn state. I had, I had a marketing background. Um, so I'm very fortunate of that, but like, again, learning how to do SOPs, learning how to do the taxes, stuff like that. Stuff that I finally had to just say, I got to hire somebody for Build it. Build a website, get reviews. Like, yeah. Like, build tutorials, build a platform. Like, <laughs> there's, there's so much to it. Yeah. I want to get real deep with you for a minute, Rick. Um, mm -hmm. Let's, because I, I think we have a good report going. You, you're being vulnerable. I'm being vulnerable. Um, how are you with handling the, professional life when the personal struggles come up so um i feel like i do a, a really good job um i when it comes to that like even though like my mind's always on my work um when i get stressed out i kind of get quiet i, I don't because i go more into thought i really kind of meditate on the problem i think about it in a hundred different directions um so I kind of obsess about it, but that's really goes back to even being like a young athlete. Like I just always obsessed about everything that I did. If I really wanted to be good at it, I just obsessed about it. But, you know, you know, building a business is extremely stressful. I mean, it's going to cause you to lose tons of sleep. You know, it's going to be hard to shut off your mind because now you're trying to solve every problem. Every problem is your problem. Um, so if you're a salesperson, you want to start a business, realize that like it's not just closing a deal is your problem anymore. Every single problem is your problem and you have to solve it or find people to help you solve it. And um, yeah, but I would just say, yeah, I mean, I think I do a really good job. I, I, you know, I, I don't allow it to lash out, you know, because that stress can be mounting and, and have like a bad effect on you. But, uh, but what people need to understand, it's like, it's different. You know, just building a business is different. It's, it's, it's going to be the hardest thing you ever done, like outside of, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I'd say it's the hardest thing you'll ever do is building a business. Yeah. It's, it's such a, I, I think so many people probably have a little bit of trouble admitting that, right? Because it's, it's almost like as business owners, so many people see the positives, right? They see the limelight, they see the, the podcast, they see the, freedom as we'll call it in quotations and they very rarely see the fact that you know we're not nine to five nobody nobody no. if, if you're if it's you're not goes nine to five like it's the way elon musk says it it's like you know he says like when you die it's going to be relief because his brain will finally shut off but like your business 
is going to take you five or 10 years to be what you want it to be. And, um, you know, if you, if you've made it in two years, you just, either you're not, you don't have a real business. And I hate to say it, like, you know, like you don't have a real business. You're just either like reselling somebody else's product, you know, or like, like, the, you know, your success isn't going to be long-term. Like it takes a long time to build a super stable business. Like it does. Like just, you have to build that foundation and you have to, it really does. Like short-term success doesn't work. Don't listen to these gurus. Like it, it doesn't, it has to be over time. Like it literally, you have to put in the work every single day, month after month, year after year. So then you can step away and uh, allow that yeah. to, you know, be what you really wanted it to be when you first started. It just does. I, I find so often you know, there's, there's gurus everywhere. There's sales gurus, marketing gurus, gurus for gurus, everything. Um, and I think it's created this culture yeah. to where, you know, so many people when they hire a consultant and, and this isn't just business consultant, this could be sales, marketing, finance, anything, any sort of consultant or outside person to come in and take a look and help. They expect these short-term results right they, they expect no. to see it and you're just like you're not going to see it like, like people don't understand that the work you do today you're probably not going to see the results of for another four to five months that's just the, the truth yeah. of it. that's how this works so it's, it's mm -hmm. great to hear somebody you know understand that if, if you see somebody saying you can buy a private jet in a week yeah you gotta have <laughs> yeah that's i mean steve jobs said it was like one of the biggest um things one of the biggest like eye-opening moments for, for him was to stop thinking about like winning today or even next month. You have to have like a 10 year vision, you know, for your company, for the people about your company. And that, that'll help bring like your anger and your stress down when things aren't working for you in your life. Like things aren't going to go your way, like five times out of 10 or sometimes nine out of 10, but you got to be able to weather those storms and understand that my vision is for 10 years down the road. So, you know, one of your teammates or employees, your your, your partners on your team is having a bad day or a bad week. It's okay. Like they're human, right? Like this person's an asset. They're a teammate. You want to help them and know that, you know, it's a long-term vision with them. And it's the same thing about with developers. Like that's what I've learned. Like they're going to coach you six months. It's probably going to take 12 to 18 months. Like, yep. <laughs> like catch your breath. It's okay. Like, like let's just work together versus getting frustrated. And, um, and that's like why don't listen to these people like come in and say get rich in 90 days like if someone doesn't say hey like this is what i want to do for you over six or 12 months or this is what's going to happen in two years you know and this is going to be relationship over time and we're going to go through this together like i don't even want to talk to that person if they're not saying that because i'm not looking yeah. for double your sales in 90 days or 100 percent increase in sales in 100 days guaranteed like oh it doesn't work I love it. Well, Rick, I think that's probably like the perfect, the perfect spot for us to end on. So why don't we, I don't think we're going to get much better than, than how we did today. This is a good podcast. Why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you and simply noted? Yes. I'm on LinkedIn basically all day. So LinkedIn, um, just look Rick Elmore, E-L-M-O-R-E. -E, I try to respond um, within, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Or if anybody's even remotely interested in seeing what this technology looks like and what it can do for you. Um, we just recommend just go to the website, simplynoted.com. That's S as in Sam, I M as in Mary, P L Y, noted.com. And we'll actually send, I don't know if this is on video, but we'll send a really nice sample kit with a bunch of stuff inside so you can see the quality.
And uh, that's usually when people have their light bulb moment and they call us and they're like, this is so cool. Can you do this? And then we help them do it. Oh, that's perfect. All right, Rick, thank you. This turned into a great, great episode. So I'm going to get this, get this out as soon as I can for our listeners. So I appreciate you coming out today. Everybody else, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on Slaying the Sale. If you're interested in knowing more about Kyle, make sure you head over to his website, theslaymakermethod.com, and pick up a copy of his best-selling books. Then head to Facebook to join his private group, Slaymaker Sales Mastery, to become the number one salesperson in your company. And until next time, remember to keep slaying the sale.